Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Diligence and vetting is critical to hiring people in a small company. Today's quote, chaos is inherent in all things compounded. Strive on with diligence. Any idea who said that? Hmm, not so sure. Tell me. It was Buddha. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Wise words, right? Right. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to disrupt recruiting. We share insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts and provide proven tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is the fantastic Lori Torres. Lori is the CEO of Partial Pending. Lori is the co-founder, like I said, and CEO of the nation's leading provider of innovative package management solutions, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Prior to Partial Pending, she was a senior VP of property operations at the Irvine Company, correct? That's correct. She's been recognized on multiple occasions for her leadership, including being named 2017's Innovator of the Year by the Orange County Business Journal, and is chosen as one of the 13 entrepreneurs immediately to the EY Entrepreneurial Winning Women 2017 North America class. Nice Correct. work. Thank you. Lori's uh, obviously very good at building a world-class organization. She's here to share her story. Lori, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks, Rick. I'm so excited to be with you. I'm excited to have you. We just found out that we are indirectly not related in any sort of way, but we're brothers from another mother. Sister. <laughs> exactly. Know, <laughs> so today we're going to cover experience hiring in the early stages because you've got a really interesting story to tell. I'm going to talk about some of the hiring challenges you fought through as you were growing and then provide solutions for kind of uh, hiring through those various stages. Sounds great. So let's start by talking about what actually got this show going was the question, okay, well, you go and you receive funding. Now what do you do? Got to hire some people. Right. Build a team. And that is just a whole nother set of problems, right? Sure. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you got the money and you decided to fund this company, what did you do? Well, so first off, before I actually got the funding, I had brought on an associate. And I remember that was such a big risk for me. It was, how am I going to afford to pay this guy? And so, Uh, you know, it was a team of me, one person. uh And um, it was pretty tough in the beginning. You you know, I went from being at the Irvine Company and having all of these resources to having a team of me. And you were um, at Starbucks. That's exactly. Yeah. Many days at Starbucks. Okay. And then, so I brought on an intern, brought on an associate, and uh, amazingly enough, one of them agreed to not take compensation until we were funded. So wow. big reminder, everything in life is negotiable. And so um, I learned that over and over Key again. point number one. Exactly. Right. I learned it over and over with people in general. Like oh. I had a lot of people that joined my team in the early stages that I did not compensate until we were fully funded. And then once we actually got the funding, that was time to really start growing. So we went out and got office space and started building the team. Nice. I tell companies this all the time is that people will take jobs at companies that not necessarily for the money. They will. And not even just for, and not equity. So, you know, everyone thinks, well, I have to give them a ton of equity. It's not the case. People are so willing to help other people. And that was my experience in growing and starting the company, that there were so many resources out there that people just wanted you to win. It was really exciting and Amazing. You surround yourself with good people because some companies don't have that luck. Right. 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 I, I'm fortunate. No yeah, doubt. very good. All right. So let's talk about, so you had your first two people. Right. And then you were able to get funding? We got funding okay. and uh, we had a prototype that we actually installed, uh, our electronic locker system that we were able to put into our first apartment building. 
And so then I, at that point, I, it was time we had to go out and get office space. And so I had a, a team of a couple people at this point now okay. and um, realized it's really time to bring on a sales force because, you, you know, you, nothing happens without sales. So sure. sales leads everything. Yeah. And so I had to go and find the right salespeople. And I had a lot of conversations to find the right salespeople. And there were some people that showed up that were incredibly expensive. And you you can't go with incredibly expensive in the beginning, but you know that they'll make the company successful. And so there's this dating game that goes on. Totally. <laughs> totally. Were you able to land any of those totally expensive people? Yes, but not in the very beginning. So probably a year later. So as I said, a lot of dating went on, a okay. lot of lunches, a lot of uh, phone calls. And so one of the folks was here locally and another one was back east. And um, it's funny, both of them still work with me today, five awesome. years later. But it it was interesting how long the process of uh, getting to know them, getting them comfortable, and it's an early stage company. People are nervous about early stage companies. So that's building a pipeline. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. Which a lot of companies don't think about doing. Right. You have to build it. All right. So your first, I think when we talked, you told me that your first huge group of employees came from referrals. They did. Probably the first 60 associates came wow. from referrals. I mean, I'm, I'm, I never realized this about How myself. How much networking but, were you doing? Well, I was just going to say, I never realized I was such a networker, but you know, networking really matters. Oh, and yeah, so totally. people don't understand how important it is. No. It's really important. I don't think I understood, but I just happened to have a very deep network. And so from being at the Irvine company and then going and raising money, I met so many people during that process. And so... I'd post on Facebook, I'd post on LinkedIn, and I found people that referred people to me and, you know, that a lot of so interviews cool. and a long process to bring the right people on. But, and then some, some others were kind of easy. You know, I was, um, at the same time I was launching the company, I was going to school to get an uh, MBA at Pepperdine. Good one school. Of, one, I went to school right below there. Right below there? Yeah, Is that I the beach? Our Lady of Malibu. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And so I ended up hiring one of the early interns who now plays a huge role in our company, went to school with his dad and he, he had said his son wanted to work with me. And I'm like, great, he could come in as an intern. And Very so cool. it's amazing to see also the growth that people and the potential people have because this, what I'll call kid, is now just wildly successful. He runs our, all of our logistics, all of our inventory management. He runs a big team and it's just been wow. so great to watch that. So you're keying upon one thing that I usually like to um, sell companies and people that I work with is that you want to provide growth for people. Absolutely. So you've given it to him and he's just taken off with it. That's right. Yeah. But and that's he's probably a millennial too, right? Uh, he, definitely a millennial. Right? Yes, no doubt. All right. So there's a key lesson. Not all millennials are the problem, people. Actually, they aren't. No, we, we have really coined workers. them in a terrible way, in my yeah. opinion. I, I think that we just overhype the whole millennial thing. Totally. And I love working with millennials. They're fast. They're smart. They figure out ways to get things done. And yeah, so they want balance in their life. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm totally no. okay with that. No. But they've been amazing. I love the team of millennials that we have. I think our generation is just mad at millennials because of the fact that they had the courage to do what we should have done. I think that's probably right. And I also think there's some regret <laughs> by us because we feel like we they're all entitled and we yeah. created it. So it's like, well, you don't get to complain about it. You created it. Yeah, exactly. And, but they're great. I mean, really, they are amazing. I have not, I have yet to really truly be disappointed in a millennial that has come on our team. You know what? I, I share your your enthusiasm for that for sure. So you got your first people on board. You got funny. So let's like walk me through the challenges you faced when you kind of first started this hiring endeavor? Well, sure. So you're so protective of funds because you know that your funds will only last so long. I've seen some entrepreneurs go out and just spend like wildfire. Oh, I yeah. was the opposite, that I was cautious, but I knew I had to go. Like if you, I wanted to get moving, we had to get going. 
you know, the interviewing process, you know, first I'd get the referrals in and then I spend a lot of time on, on interviewing. It's so important. And I think too often people are urgent to get it done. And so they just hire somebody yep. and they, you know, somebody with a heartbeat and you can't hire just a heartbeat. You have to hire the right person for you have the to job. Hire the heart. You got to hire the heart. That's exactly right. Yeah. What I learned in an early stage and in a startup is what you need at different stages is different. And so in the very early stages, you need something, but can that person grow and scale with you? And so when you, you know, you hit your first 2 million bucks, can you, can this person grow to the $10 million and can the, the next, you know, to the next tranche of a $20 million company? That's been an interesting process for me to see who could and who couldn't grow yeah. and what you can afford in the early stages. So you can't afford the big dogs no, in the early stage all. when you want the big dog that has the experience and the skill set, but you can't do it because you don't have the money. You don't necessarily need the big dog though either. You don't really need them, no, but you'd like the, um, you know, take a bunch of, we'll go back to millennials and teach them and show them the way. So if you're trying to grow a company and grow it fast, yeah. that's a little challenging when they're also very green. There's a lot of work. It's heavy lifting in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because at, in the early stage, once you first get funded, you really don't have, I didn't anyways, I didn't have a leadership team. Yeah. I did this on my own. A lot of people have a partner, have, you know, other folks that they've started and launched the company with. I'm the You were a solopreneur who pulled all this off. Yes. Good yes. job. Yeah. Yeah, all but right. I come from corporate America. So, you know, 25 plus years in corporate America gave me good But experience. often that transition is very, very hard to go into a startup. I think that's right. For me, it was a gift. I yeah. mean, you know, when I left the Irvine company, I had 1,200 associates. I was running a big portfolio of 44,000 units, and wow. we did about a billion dollars a year in revenue. So it was a business, and I always looked at it as my own. And sure. so starting this, um, I looked at it the same way. It's all about planning. Yeah, most definitely. Getting back to the hiring piece, right? So like, walk me through maybe we've got a situation where we're in a very tight job market. Yes, we are. So how are you able to get people to buy onto the mission as opposed to latch onto the money? Yeah. You know, it's funny. All throughout my career, it's never been about the money of the people that I hire. It's really about the vision of where we're going and yeah. what's in it for them. And uh, you will find in surveys to associates, money is not the number one hot no. issue. It's not about the money. They want to be fulfilled. They want to feel good about getting up in the morning and coming to work. And that's what I hire for. I really hire for the attitude and for the right fit for the company. And so in a tight market, yes, you have to interview a lot more people. But people are out there yeah. and people want to make changes. I mean, think about all the people you interact with on a daily basis and you say, what do you do for a living? And they were, well, I'm kind of not that happy in it. That people want change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the statistic is 70% of Americans are unhappy in their jobs, yeah. which is appalling. Yeah. That was a Gardner survey that came out or Gallup survey that came out last year. Right. Yeah. So I, I, see I no love handcuffs. that. I love that survey. Right. Because that just tells me that every 10 calls that I make, seven people should talk to me. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's right. Which is fantastic. So how are you how are you translating that? So you've got your company's mission. So let's talk about your values because that was really I would imagine some of the, one of the things you built out early into the process. We did build it out. We were probably 20 25 people strong and we did it collaboratively as a team. And so when before I had my first associate on board, I'd actually written my own mission, vision and values. And then but I, I knew that I could not hand that to t the team and say these are our values because they wouldn't buy into it. It no. had to be their values. They were part of it the sweat equity early on. And so um, we worked together to come up with the mission and the values. And our values that we landed on at what stage did you do that? Uh, we were probably a year after funding when we did it. It, okay. it. it may have been a little late even. Some associates said, like, what's our mission? Where are we going? And they knew where we were going from kind of my messaging, but they wanted something in writing that they could hold on to. It was interesting how much um, people really wanted 
put it on the wall. What's the yeah. mission? What's the vision? What's the values? And so that was important to associates. And so we did, we worked together. We brought in an outside consultant that, you know, not big dog or anything at that point, but somebody that came in and really helped us through that process and helped us figure out what was important. And what we really got to is that more than anything, integrity matters and that we're going to do the right thing. And that's, we live by that today. We're relentless. It's one of our values. And we are, we just, we don't stop. We are solution finders. And all day long, we just keep finding solutions. Mm, Another one of our values is that we're collaborative. So we really collaborate, but we, we collaborate in a way to find solutions. So it's not that we all sit around the table and the entire team has to agree It's that we're going to collaborate to solve a problem and then, or, you know, a vision or the goal that we have in place, and then we're going to go out and accomplish it. We're we're get it doneers. I love it. All right, we're going to delve into, I want to know what your company values are. If you're just turning into our live stream or the podcast, I'm Rick Gerard, the host of the Higher Power Radio Show, which is what you're listening to right now. Our guest is Lori Torres. She's the CEO of Parcel Pending. Partial penny. Parcel. I can't even say that. Why? Parcel, like a package, you know, a parcel. Yeah. For some reason, my tongue is not working today. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing kind of the beginning journey of getting started in your hiring process. And now we're going to talk a little bit about your core values. So let's, what are your core values? Right. So as I- What did you guys come up with? We came up with, um, I, I think I mentioned it already, some of them is that integrity is a core value for the company, yep. that we're going to do the right thing and um, the right thing always matters so that, you know, there's just no question. And it's so great because I've had people ask, we actually put our values up on the wall in our hub and, um, and we, we refer to them often. So it's integrity. It is um, collaboration. Collaboration is so important for us. And then being relentless. When you're in a pursuit like we are right now, you have to be relentless. And, oh, yeah. um, but it also tells the team that, you know, the waterline might get up to here, which is above the eyebrow, and it'll come down below the nose. And when you're relentless, you just keep going after it until the point gets where it stays above the eye level that you're like, I, we got to add more people to the team yeah. at that point. But we really are <laughs> relentless in our pursuit for excellence and our pursuit for, you know, achieving great results. And really, number one is taking care of our customers. So one of our core values is around the customer. We are customer centric and the customer will always come first after our associates. And so we, you have to give good internal customer service to give great external customer service. And so people come in for interviews in our office and they will say, the feel here is amazing. Everyone is so nice and helpful and pleasant. Just even when you're in the lobby, like the lobby experience at our building is a good experience. I had a sales guy come in who was selling, I don't know, something for the bathroom, like a hand dryers. And he said, in my 30 years of walking into buildings, I have never had such an amazing experience with people that are so gracious and so customer-oriented. And I'm, I'm just the guy selling, you know— Toilet paper. Yeah, and hand dryers. And so, I mean, it was, it was neat. He actually sent me an email afterwards because he said he just did not have that experience. But those are the people we hire. So it's important that you hire based on your core values. And you're living them. You got to live them. Yeah. I, yeah. They're not just words on the wall. I, I can't tell means. you. I went into a, I tell the story quite yeah. often, but I went and I met a CEO at a company one time and he had the, all these great words behind his desk. And we walked through the office and I go, where did you come up with those words? And he's like, oh, well, they sounded great. So we just made them our company mantra. I go, I saw people hiding from you. There's no collaboration. I go, you might want to rethink this. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that is such a problem. I mean, And he had a terrible culture. Well, and you can feel it the minute yeah. you walk in the door. Oh, and yeah. ours is that one that people are, are actually excited to come to work. They want to be there, which is amazing because said that statistic, 70% aren't happy in their jobs. Oh, yeah. And we have very little turnover. But I think it is because our team was part of creating that. They really pre- created the values. And 
I got to weigh in, but at the end of the day, it was theirs. I mean, it was, uh, we wordsmithed, but we had to make sure that we all felt like in our heart of hearts that those core values were who we really were. And we, it it was a lot of work. It was heavy lifting to get to those, the end results. Yeah. I bet. You're a good leader. I can tell. Uh, Thanks. All right. So let's talk about your interview process. Yes. What did you put in place? Uh, we're relentless again. So let me tell you. All right. I love this. Uh, so I'll give you an example. We just interviewed a couple folks yesterday. And um, by the time that he, this person got to me, it was his fifth interview. And he's like, wow, That's great. five interviews. This is extreme. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's extreme because it's not just about finding the right fit for us, but it's about finding the right fit for you. Yeah. And I said, you know, I want to make sure that this is just as good of a fit for you as it is as us. And if, if you're not happy here, then it's not going to work out. Yeah. And so um, our interview process, we phone screen first, always a phone screen, and then we will go into the in-person interview. And then typically the hiring manager will interview first. Back in the early, early days, I did it all. So okay. phone screen first, interview, second interview. And it, depending on the role, there would typically be a third interview if it was just me when I was doing it. I mean, I had lunch with people. I had dinner with people. I needed to make sure they were the right fit. These were big decisions. They're always big decisions. Yeah. And um, you got to make sure that it is, it's a good fit. So even when it was just you hiring people? I took the time. Yeah, it's kind of like you're driving down the 405 freeway and you get a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pull over and fix it properly, you're going to end up with a second flat tire. And so, you know, you could Good hire point. someone and then get a blowout again because you didn't hire the right person. And so I don't want to have a blowout down the road. I yeah. want to make sure I do it right the first time around. And so you got to spend the time and energy. And people don't because they're just, they're desperate. And I get it. I was desperate. We're always, we're moving fast. We need good bodies. Absolutely. So in your tenure building the company, were you, did you make any desperate hires? I would say yes. I okay. have to look back at myself and say, you know, that one probably wasn't the best hire. That one I let someone else influence me on. Yeah, of course. I mean, I now have a hundred and I think our number is 153 this week. It'll probably be 159 by the end of the month. And so, um, <laughs> nice. yeah, it was early on and there were some decisions that were made that I shouldn't have made or I didn't allow that due diligence process long enough to go on. But every time I go back and I, I realize that the person wasn't right, I always, when I look at someone who didn't make it and I say, why did this not work? I go back and I look at the resume and it's so clear. That resume tells you. It has the answers for you on it if you just see it. But we hmm. don't see it because we're so Where are you angry. looking? Well, because I usually look in the white space. That's where I find most of the right. I mean, well, uh, you know, you got it. There, the patterns are there, and uh, you just have to ask a lot of questions and really probe deeply. Yeah, and that's why I like the multiple interview process. Because I'll give you another example. I was about to hire somebody for a high level position, and I had a phone interview. I met in, in an airport. I um, really liked the person. Brought the person out. Had ended up with another meeting. Ended up in, a, I think, a fourth meeting. Went to dinner, and it just wasn't right. And so had I not done that, though, because after— it, You first, probably would have hired them, and that I would have been have, a better hire. And it wouldn't have worked. That's yeah. exactly right. And this is what happens over and over and over and over again with a lot of— Our audience tends to be entrepreneurs and smaller business leaders. Right. And they do it over and over again. It's a repeating cycle. So don't let time influence your decision. No, I will tell you, let time influence your decision when you know it's not the right person. So people typically, they, yeah. you know— Hire too fast and fire too slow, it should be the opposite, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember one of my mentors hire slow, told me, hire, hire slow, fire, fire quickly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But people don't ever do that. They don't do it very yeah. seldom. And you really do have to, if you want your company to be successful and you want the team to be successful. Because remember, when you have a weak link on your team, it's a problem for the other team members. Oh, yeah. And they know it. They're looking at you going, why aren't you handling this? 
they know. Yeah, it downgrades your credibility. Absolutely. And it also downgrades your company performance. That's right. Because one bad person is going to affect at least two other people around them. Right. If you're a small company, 10 people, God, that's 30% of your workforce. I meet people off-site. I can't tell you how many people I've met in airports. I do a lot of interviews in airports. I bet. Because, you know, you're traveling around and you can meet them in certain places or they're flying in. But you you just got to spend the time because you got to get to know them a little bit more. Because, look, we all put on our best face, you hope, in the first interview. Yeah. And the second interview, you get a little bit more comfortable. And by the third interview, you're really you again. And I want to see the real you. I want to know who you are. It's like dating, right? I told you it's dating. Yeah. When <laughs> well, you're... I don't know. I haven't dated in years. Uh, either so. have I. Either have I <laughs> but, but it's like dating. I remember way back when I was dating. Because usually like after about five, ten dates, that's when the real person starts going Right. Out right. Times. And that's the same with associates because we're humans. Right? Yeah. You're on your best behavior. All right. So you're doing multiple interviews, three plus times. We use um, some tools too. And so one of the what tools, tools are you using? Yeah, we've used a great tool that I'm a big fan of, which is called the Culture Index. And it's what is um, that? Are you familiar with the DISC profile? Yeah, so yeah. DISC that you know a lot of people use to for like, behavior traits and personality traits of how you work together and communicate. Mm-hmm. Well, the culture index is like the disc on steroids. And it what you do is you create a job. And you, you fill it out yourself, the hiring manager. And usually I have two or three people that will, will fill it out and will decide what's that perfect person look like for this specific job. And then when people come through the interview process, we have them take this assessment. Okay. And we can see if it's a good fit or not. And if you trust and believe in the tool, then you say, oh, this one's not going to work. And this one's and it's a way to weed out a lot of people. Got it. If you believe in it. But you know, oftentimes we don't do that, right? It's just because it, like um, we get references and it's not great, but it's like, well, we can fix that. We can help them with that. And so you have to really <laughs> no, open you your eyes. You, no, you cannot can't. change people. You cannot. Now, you mentioned diligence, right? So what kind of diligence are you doing for each person before you bring them on board besides the interview process? Because so reference were, checks don't really work so well. Well, I don't agree with that. So really? I ask, Yeah, I ask for references and I don't ask for, you know, I don't want the HR department that confirms it when they started and when they sure. ended and what their salary was. I want to talk to someone that worked with you. And so if you ask the right questions to the interview candidate, I think you can get good folks to talk to. And that's always been my approach is like, listen, I want to talk to a peer. I want to talk to your supervisor. I want to talk to uh, someone that reported directly to you. And so if you get enough people and you take the time, and again, you got to ask good questions when you call for those references. So it's a process and it's expensive. It's time consuming to the interview process, but it's way more expensive turning over the staff. So very, very true. What about backdoor references? Because I know there's a lot of companies that will actually do that. It doesn't happen so much down here where I do a lot of my recruiting in the barrier. I find a lot of companies do backdoor references. Right. It just depends on the person and the yeah. relationships that you have. And so I'm all about relationships. And sure. For us at Parcel Pending, because we are we started off in the multifamily business, we're now in others, verticals, different places, retail and office buildings, commercial. But we, in starting off in the multifamily space, I really wanted people that came from the multifamily industry. So they understood what it was like to be on site. They understood what residents, how you interacted. And so about 60% of our team came from multifamily. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably maybe for me a little bit easier to hire folks. Yeah. And then I could get better references and I could kind of get that, you know, the conversation that the HR team wouldn't have with me. Got it. Yeah. Got it. You can find out who's good. Exactly. So the last reference checking, uh, anything else that you do in the process that really solidifies whether or not somebody is going to do it for you? Well, you know, this sounds silly, but one of the things that we actually do is we walk people around our building. We're in a 25,000 square foot building. Just how that person interacts with others when they get introduced to complete strangers is always an interesting thing to me. It happened to me years ago 
I was hiring a middle management person and I just, I took her out to a property and I just noticed how she didn't interact yeah. instead of how she did interact. Yeah. And I knew at that moment that I was making a mistake by making that hire. And, and I was a little late there. I was already, you already made, the hire. made the hire and taking yeah. her out. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so it was one of those gifts that I got that I said, you know, let's, and we, so we have someone in our office that actually walks people around and does introductions. And he's, you know, he's kind of, um, I don't know, he's just so passionate about parcel pending. He is so wonderful <laughs> that he's the ambassador for us. Okay. And love so, it. so you get a read on people. And that's what you're trying to do is get a read. One of the things we do is we allow dogs in our building. And so you can bring your animal to work. And it, that's an, always an interesting conversation how people react to that because it's it's not a good fit for some people and it is a good for other, good fit for others. Other Some people are really excited and they just light up and others are like shut down. And so right there, you get to have the conversation. This is probably not the right fit for you yeah. it, because it's not going to work for you. Great info so far. What takeaways do you have that you can probably give some of our are listening on it. I would say for entrepreneurs that they've just been funded and they're trying to build their team, use some outside resources. Have other people do interviews. When you're on your own, don't just count on yourself. I did that, by the way. I did have a board of directors right after I did my funding. I've used my board to interview. And you may help them. Yeah, I've had them interview people. Oh, Second interviews, absolutely. Because if I'm hiring a CTO or a VP of engineering and I don't have the skill set around it, I need to have someone that does have the skill set. So bring sure. someone else in that can give you an opinion. Yep. And again, so many people will help you. And, and listen so, to your board. Right, exactly. There's a lot of people that'll have their board interview people, they'll not recommend them, but they'll hire them anyway. That's exactly right. That's the hardest the part is that it's just, it's easy to make that <laughs> hire because you're desperate and you need yeah, someone, yeah. but it's terrible. It does not help the company. No. And I'm a big believer in the gut. Not everybody has a good gut read, but I think a lot, most people have a good gut read and you got to go with your gut. If your uh, gut says don't do it, do not do it. Run. Go so it. very true. So hiring's not a sprint, it's a marathon. That's right. And uh, the result of great hiring is really a great company. Uh, yes, I think it is a great company, but it's also spending the time to find the right people. Absolutely. So we're just about out of time for today's show. Lori, thanks for your time investment today. Sure. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what's the best way for any of our listening members to reach you? Yeah, they can reach us at parcelpending.com or they can reach me at lori.torres at parcelpending.com. And so spell parcelpending. Uh, let me spell Lori Torres too. It's okay. L-O-R-I dot Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S at parcelpending, P-A-R-C-E-L, pending, P-E-N-D-I-N-G. All right. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode. A quick shout out to our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review our show. Your input is welcome and much needed to improve the content for you. Join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, that's H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio.com. And you can find us by searching Higher Power Radio on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, YouTube. We're all over the place these days. <laughs> You'll probably be watching this one on YouTube. And you can follow me on Instagram if you like. I'm at Rick Gerard one Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Matt Charney. Matt is the Chief Content Officer for Allegis Global Solutions. We're going to be talking about messaging and how to differentiate your company from being another Me Too organization. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 